0: Alright, good to see everybody back tonight. Let me open us in a word of prayer and we'll dive into God's Word. God, thank you for the, for the privilege that it is for us to come and to join together and to come into your presence. God, we stand here or sit here in your presence only by the blood of Christ and only through the power of your Spirit that's been given to us. But God, we come and we say, God, we want to worship you. Everything that we have is yours, and God, we want to return it back to you in worship. Will you come and meet us in this place? Would you teach us from your word? Would you guard us from anything that's untrue? pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you're new to us, we're in the middle of a series on passing the faith on, and as we work work our way through the book of 1 Timothy, tonight we're going to come to a passage that you may say, why are they teaching on that? Um... We're talking about the qualifications of deacons. But I promise you it's not just for deacons or not just for those who might want to be deacons. Um, We're going to talk about how everybody is called to a role of service. But I want to encourage you tonight because this church in particular, has some great deacons. And they do an amazing work serving our body, serving those in need in our community here and beyond to the whole of our city. You might catch them, but you're going to have to catch them because they're not gonna tell you what they do. They often do their work behind the scenes or in private. But I'll tell you a little bit about it because I've caught a couple of them. You can find them mowing the grass at some widow's home or you might find them taking food to the infirmed. You might find them fixing the car of a young lady in the church or visiting and caring for the elderly. You might find them working through a budget with somebody who's found themselves in credit card debt. You might find them relieving the stress of a member who just finds it hard to pay the power bill from time to time or even up on a roof fixing a leaky roof. Our deacons are doing an amazing job and you, you've elected this group of deacons, a humble group of superheroes of sorts who are quietly serving behind the scenes making a difference that stretches far beyond the walls of this church because every action that they're doing has ripple effects throughout the whole of the kingdom. So as we talk about deacons I just want to encourage you, be thankful for the deacons that God has given us. It's often hard work and often goes unnoticed. But as we, as we read tonight, think about these men who have served this way. If you will, turn in the text with me. We're going to be in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13. It's on page 1178 in the pew, in the pew Bible before you. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, I just want to read it along with it. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to you, O God. I want to start with that last statement. It's not a part of our text for tonight. We'll talk about it next week. But it's the reason why we've studied the last three weeks. You might say, why did we look at the role of women in the church? Or why did we look at the role of elder in the church? Or why did Paul find it necessary to write about the role of deacon in the church? He tells us right here in verse 14. He says, I might delay coming to you, but I want you to know how to organize yourself. And I want you to know how to behave in the household of God. So as we think about these three topics of uh, women in the church and elders and now deacons tonight, um, we're studying it because God wants us to know how we're supposed to be organized. So deacons, uh, what is a deacon? Deacons come from the, the Greek word, I don't know if that's me or not, I hope it's not, um, from, the de- from the Greek word diakonos, and it just means it's the ministry of serving, it's just a giving. Uh, the first place we can find this in the New Testament is actually in Acts 6 where the, the deacons or these six men are set aside for the act of serving tables. Um, and while elders are to serve the church in teaching the word, deacons are to serve the church by taking care of the material needs in a spiritual way. The book of church order says it this way. You know it's good if you get a sermon that quotes the book of church order. Probably not. <laughs> but the book of church order says it this. It says, the office office of deacon is not one of rule, but rather of service, both to the physical and spiritual needs of the people. Luther said of the diacony, he said, they lead a ministry for distributing the church's bounty to the poor in order that the priest might believe to that burden and might focus on the word and on prayer. In our church, our deacons serve in so many different ways. Sometimes it's providing mercy. Um, sometimes it's providing that through financial assistance or through manpower. Sometimes it's managing and collecting the finances. You guys saw that tonight with our ushers who take up the money. In our church they also provide security so that we can be safe. Um, They have a plan. They were meeting earlier tonight and praying for us, praying for this meeting in particular, and overseeing the maintenance in the grounds. Don't you guys love how beautiful it And is? You're able to walk in and we don't have grass that's overgrown or sidewalks that are unmaintained. Our deacons are behind the scenes taking care of all of those things our text tonight doesn't focus so much on what the deacons do but on who they're to be who is he to be so let's look at the text it starts with this term deacon likewise this term likewise helps us to distinguish that the the qualifications of deacon are not much different than that of elder they're both to be spiritual men but the term likewise also helps us to realize the the difference they're not the same they're different and that and different in their role and how they serve So, deacons are not talking about junior elders, but they're a group of men who are set aside for a specific purpose, to serve the church, to serve the house of God. Now, these men are to be dignified. What does that mean? It means there are to be men who are worthy of respect. Similarly to the elder who's above reproach, deacons must have lives that are worth emulating. They're to be respected both inside the church and outside the church. They're to be respected and dignified in their speech. That's why he says they're not to be double-tongued. This is the idea of, of a deacon saying one thing and then meaning another, or saying one thing to one person and then saying another thing to another. Within the mercy ministry, it can be easy in a moment of service to be super kind and empathetic to one who is in need, and then to turn around and to go share with the other deacons or with another church member, hey, can you believe that this person has that need? It could be so easy to be double-tongued in that, in that moment. But Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, we're looking for men who are not double-tongued, men who know how to be empathetic and how to be men of sincerity, not hypocrisy. We need men of, um, of mercy to come out, not to speak in a, in a demeaning manner, but in a, in a merciful manner. Because oftentimes our deacons, they're going to know far more about our private lives than we might want them to if we're in that, in that time of need. So Paul instructs the men not to be double-tongued. Secondly, he says they have to be dignified in their drink, not addicted to much wine. The idea here is that we can't be controlled by wine. Now, all believers should be gripped by the gospel and not gripped by alcohol or addiction. And if this is a problem, we're to seek out grace from brothers in the body. This part of being dignified is more imperative for those who serve as officers in our church because the officers in our church not only represent us as the body, uh, they represent Christ himself. And so it's more um, imperative for our officers to protect the purity of the church and the honor of Christ's name. The third thing that he says of us, um, of deacons, he says, not greedy for dishonest gain. Greed must be condemned within the church but especially amongst the deacons who are tasked to be generous in spirit. They should be constant in their contentment with what God has provided and to focus on the needs of others. The greedy will look to add to their abundance, but we need deacons who will look to be generous with the abundance God has blessed us with. For we've been blessed in amazing ways and we have the opportunity to keep sharing. At our last mercy, at our last mercy meeting, our mercy chair said to me, he said, I'm trying to spend the money that God has provided. But more came in than we were able to give out this month. That's your generosity. And he generally was trying. They spent a lot of money. But you guys continue to outgive what, what, what they give. Deacons are to be men of financial integrity, using the resources afforded by God to his church to, generally, to generously meet the need of others. These men who we're electing as deacons must be men of high integrity when it comes to finances. They must be men of generosity, and they must encourage us to be generous as well. Not to be motivated by personal gain, but to be motivated by helping those who are in need in our church. So simply put, if you've been asleep, deacons have to be dignified in speech, dignified in drink, dignified in finances, and then we can move on. Now, you women out there might be thinking, well that's great for them, but what about us? Well verse 11's got you in mind too. It says, likewise the wives must be dignified. Now I don't know if you deacons wives knew that y'all got signed up for tasks too, um, but y'all have, y'all have rules too. I see you Helen Morgan. Yes, this is for you. <laughs> likewise their wives must be dignified, not slanders, sober-minded, faithful in all things. So not only do the deacons have quali- qualifications, But if they're married, their wives have qualifications as well. Wives of deacons are to be dignified. They're to be honorable, received as one of high character within the community, worthy of respect. It's the exact same word used of the deacons. They have to have that same level of character. These women are to be guarding of their tongue. No doubt, as the wife of a deacon, you're gonna hear things you're going to see things, you're going to know things because of the work of your husband as a deacon. Um, You're going to be privy to things that the the office of deacon is going to do to serve. And these women have to be known for guarding their tongue, not for slander. The word here for slander is the same word used to describe Satan, the great liar, right? So deacon's wives would be known, must be known for upholding the truth and holding back from airing what they may know about someone's need or their bad decisions. For a deacon to do the work of God and to have their wives use that knowledge to serve against a person would tear down the works of Christ. Likewise, these women are to be sober-minded. This is the same word as applies to the elders in verse 2 and translated temperate. But deacons' wives must be committed to the work of the deacon as much as the husband is and must be able to demonstrate self-control and be responsible in their service alongside their husbands in the care of those in need. I found some of the wives of our deacons to be the greatest help of our deacons. We would not be near as good at mercy in this church without women coming alongside of our deacons and our care teams and helping. We had one, one instance this week where one of our members had gotten their computer hacked and it wasn't the deacon who first initiated, it was a woman within our church who said, I'm gonna pick you up and take you to all the places to get it figured out we're going to come alongside you and the deacons are going to help. The work of the wives and the women in this church to help us with our acts of mercy is, it's integral. It has to happen. Lastly, the wife is to be faithful in all things. She's to be faithful first to Christ. She's to be faithful to her husband. She's to be faithful to her family, to her church, to her community, to the work that God has placed in front of her. You know, Paul could have easily just left this verse out, Right? Um, Some of us may think it would have been better that way. But his adding this verse reflects how he views women. He views them as an integral part of the church. You have a role to play. It's an active role. It's a role of carrying out the ministry of the church. As we consider ministry, as we consider how we're going to serve here and beyond in our city, um, women will have to play a role in this. So just as Pastor Fender talked about last week with elders And while not all might be called to elders, all are to aspire to that. Use that word aspire. Um, The same is true for deacons. All should pursue service in a godly way. So if you've been asleep, then take away this. Deacons are to be dignified in speech. We've got to be dignified in what we drink. Dignified in our finances. And the wives have to be dignified too, okay? So if your wives aren't dignified, get to working on them. If your husbands aren't dignified, wives get to working on them. Okay, but that's not all. Number two, he says this: "Let it be faithful." Our deacons must be men who hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Paul's qualification of deacons assumes that deacons are not just busy in their acts of service, but they're but they're also capable and equipped to be teachers, to be true believers and sharers of the gospel. The church at Ephesus, where Timothy is serving would have certainly understood the terminology of mystery of the faith. Think about the epistle to the, to the Ephesians. Paul writes multiple times the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ. They knew what this mystery was. Um, they understood that the mystery of the gospel was the revealed will of God, that man is sinful, and that even one sin of man would separate man from a holy God for all eternity, and that that God, our God, is a holy, and he has unfathomable greatness, and that nothing is blemished, nothing is diminished in his being from eternity past to eternity future. And the great mystery is that through Christ and in Christ, we can have a relationship with him restored, only in Christ, only through his birth, death, and resurrection do we have that. That's the mystery of the gospel that he's talking about. And he reminds us in Romans 10:9 he says, "If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved too. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Language is clear here. The conscience is rooted in the Father making us in His image. He's made us to have a conscience as he has a conscience the Son redeeming us as brothers to be back into that conscious, and the Spirit illuminating us, strengthening us in a believer's life growing in our ability to play that out. This means that a deacon has got to have practical theology that lives out the gospel daily in their lives not just a a work of service but this qualification presumes an active faith meaning that they not only adhere to their beliefs themselves but they practice them in their daily lives. These men are to be active in the ministry of evangelism and discipleship. To do this, these men have to understand true doctrine. They have to be rooted in the doctrine of the Christian faith. Now this faithfulness is in in stark contrast to what was going on in Ephesus. Because in Ephesus they had false teachers who had distorted the truth, who had rejected the true gospel. Paul wants to make sure that those false teachers in Ephesus are not able to participate as an officer in the office of deacon and to protect the church from error. Deacons are not called to engage in works of service just for gaining this life, but for the eternal benefit of others primarily. Our hope is that all the practical work of service that our deacons do, that a proclamation of the gospel happens both in word and in deed. Recently, we were in a deacons meeting and we were discussing some mercy cases that had come up and how sometimes it seems like people are trying to trick us or trying to deceive us and are trying to gain money from the church to continue their bad habits. And I wanna encourage you, our deacons are really good at figuring these situations out. But I urge the deacons that whether a person is needy or greedy, we might consider acknowledging our concern and helping them and share the gospel with them. And Joseph Morris reminded us if they're greedy or seedy, they might need the gospel. So they all need the gospel. I find that particularly to be true. I recently heard a, a great story about Finn Hitchcock and that, that gives light to this. It says when, when Finn was in his early days ministering downtown, he, he had hired a guy who had experienced homeless, homelessness to come in to work with him and he had given him a job and, and Phil had, I mean, Finn, Finn had allowed him to lock up that day. But instead of locking up, that guy went and took all of Finn's tools and pawned them off and then he locked up. Um, well, a couple of weeks later, Finn found this guy. He got his tools back from the pawn shop and he hired him back. He said, won't you come back to work for me? And he continued to share the gospel with that guy. He continued to love that guy. We need deacons with a heart like this that use the treasures of the world and the resources entrusted to us to invest in eternal gospel investments, even with the greedy, even with the seedy, okay? As our deacons engage in works of mercy, They'll often have the, go- have the opportunity to share the gospel in, in hard times. They'll often be able to give gospel-centered advice, comfort, concern, and counsel. These opportunities are like planting gospel seeds in fertile soil. The deacon must have a clear understanding of the gospel and a practical theology that allows him to sow that seed in that moment. We see this in the, in the scriptures in one of the first men who's des- described by this word diakoni or servant. Stephen, he becomes the first martyr at the hands of our author of this text, at the hands of Paul, right? Why is Stephen martyred? He's martyred because as a deacon, he was doing a good job of sharing the gospel. And sowing seeds broadly everywhere he went. Likewise, Jesus doesn't hold the office of deacon, but he describes himself in this way. In Matthew 20, verse 28, he says, The Son of Man did not come to, to serve or to be deaconed, but to deacon, to serve. It's that same word. It's what Jesus says of himself. He says to the, to the apostles in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, he says, For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I, talking about Jesus, am among you as one who diaconize as one who's a deacon. Um, I'm among you as a deacon. That's what Jesus says of himself. Paul says something likewise in Colossians 1.23 and 1 Corinthians 3.5. He says, Paul and and Apollos are deacons or ministers through whom you believed as God assigned to you. Paul identifies not in the role of deacon, but in this task of serving as a deacon. He does the same to Timothy. Or he says the same thing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.6. He says, uh, Paul says, if he teaches these truths, he will be a good minister or a good deacon of Christ Jesus. Office of deacon is not only a, an office of dignity or of service, but also of faithfulness to the true doctrine. But not only is it to be dignified and faithful, that to be proven. Um, look, at, look at what it says in verse 10. Um, let them also be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Some of you deacons might have just got a little edgy in your seat and said, we've got to test you a little bit. Um, I, know, I know how y'all like to be tested. Um, do not fear. It's an open book test. Okay? In fact, all the requirements are laid out right here. There's no, there's no secret questions. To be a deacon... One must have a proven track record. Paul here commends Timothy to test them, to make sure they're men of character, men whom God has shown himself to work through, men who are dignified in speech, who demonstrate self-control with alcohol, and who work with financial integrity. And then he says this, they must be proven blameless or without accusation in the congregation. These men whose life exudes these qualities even when they're not tested. These are men who have hearts and minds and spirits that conform to these qualities even before they know they're being tested. One could say the, the test is to, to look for men who are deaconing or serving in the church, and then if they prove themselves as servants, then elevate them to the office of deacon. You know, it isn't it hard to find these men around here you can you can find them pretty easily if we have an event look for who's setting up the chairs or look for who's checking the trash cans to see if they're full or look and see who's picking up the trash that some kid dropped outside or look who shows up just a little bit early just to see who they can help in the door look for the men who are serving in the nursery or serving as a helping hands buddy or who are calling the sick making sure that we have meals for the sick making sure that our orphans and widows are doing okay, checking in on those who are suffering with depression or mental illness. They show up whenever and wherever the need arises and very rarely do they expect any kind of acknowledgement. Paul here is urging the church not to be hasty in ordaining men to this office of deacons for it's a high calling to be a part of, but he's saying the ones who are proven, the ones who are above reproach Let them serve. Let those men do what God's called them to do. What will this provenness look like? Verse 12, he says this, they'll be the husband of one wife. Now this statement doesn't mean that if you're not married, you can't serve as a deacon, Um, but if they are married, they're to exercise sexual purity by being a one woman man. If they're single, they're still expected to be men of high sexual character. Stated positively, the deacon must be active in leading his wife. Not absent in leading his wife. He must love her. He must serve her. He must meet her needs and care for her. If he can't care for his wife and love his wife, how will he be able to love the body of Christ and serve the church? Secondly, they are able to manage their children. Deacons, like elders, are expected to have a proven ability to manage their own households, to manage the children under their care. Now, in the early church, home life and church life overlapped a lot. They integrated in our lives today it might be easier for um, some man to be a church officer to live one life on Sunday and to have a different home life on Monday through Saturday Paul is acknowledging it's important for our deacons and elders not just to be managers at at the church but to be managers of their children and their homes as well thirdly he says you got to be able to manage your own household well Deacons must have an exemplary record in managing their households, stewarding the finances, maintaining the order, creating a place where the Spirit of God can move to and through your family. You know, in the life of a deacon, this traits is important. He must first live out the gospel in his own life. It must be transforming who he is so that he can take those same gospel principles and apply them to the people in need that God's called him to meet. A gospel message centered on love must first work itself out in the home, must work itself out and through hospitality, must work itself out um, in, a, in a man's family life, or else when he presents himself to a church member, it may come across as cold or lacking warmth or forced. But if love and grace abounds in one's personal and family life, Surely it will abound when they go and meet with those in need. So if a deacon is dignified in character, he's faithful in doctrine, he's proven as a servant leader, let him serve. Lastly, Paul lists out the qualifications of character necessary. He says, you're going to be rewarded along with it. That's good for you men. (laughs) There's a reward for that. He says this, look at verse 13. Where's that. It's not here. Okay, for those who serve in the role and do it well, Paul lists two additional incentives. And I say additional because, you know, if you have a loving and dignified wife, well-organized children, and a well-organized fo- family life, man, that's all the blessing you need, right? God said, here, here's two more on top of that. What he says is, for those who, are, who have deaconed well, they gain an excellent standing, now, for those who carry out the, the role that God's called them to to mercy, Paul says, an excellent standing or a venerated place. It's not, a, not necessarily a promotion to elder, as that office has different requirements and different skill sets, um, but a different reward. In other words, they will have the respect and the influence and the standing within the community that they need to do the job of deacon well. As I think about men in our congregation, I think about a guy like Walter Welburn. He's a great example of this. He's faithfully served as a deacon in this church for a long time. I don't know how long. He wouldn't tell me. But God has given him standing and influence in our church and beyond. In fact, somebody recently uh, was trying to help our family out, and they delivered a meal, and they had a shirt on. I said, hey, I I know somebody who else wears that shirt, and it was Walter. They said, well, he's the reason why I'm here. Um, his, His influence, God has given him standing that goes beyond this this is the only place this word standing is used in the New Testament but it could be akin to a phrase that we're used to a phrase that Christ says well done good and faithful servant that's what we all want to be right that's a reward we would all like to hear secondly he says that the reward is great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus Paul reminds us here that faithful service as a deacon will lead to a greater confidence or boldness or courageousness in sharing the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Don't we all aspire to this award? Don't we all aspire to have assurance of our own salvation and a courage that commends the greatness of God to others in our lives? So as we consider candidates for leadership within the church let us look closely at what the scriptures commend to us. Let us seek out men who are dignified in speech, who are self-controlled with their drink, who are above reproach with their finances, we have married godly and respectable women. Let's find men who hold unswervingly to the truth of the gospel, who have proven over time they are men who put others ahead of themselves regularly. I know it's difficult as our culture wants to measure leadership capabilities on a whole different level. Maybe highlighting education or experience, innovation or energy, being attractive in outward appearance or having a great resume. While those things might create a powerful business person, God has a different set of criteria that calls us into kingdom work. He he demands that we be men and women of high character, respect, dignity, faithfulness, and provenness. Let us all, men and women both, aspire to this dignified life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God who cares deeply about God enough so that you would spend time writing verses about how we should build up deacons or how we should choose deacons from amongst us. God I'm thankful for the men you've raised up to be deacons in this congregation. God I pray that you would continue to raise up generation after generation of deacons who will serve you that this church might continue to thrive for a long time. God, I pray that you would cause each of us this week, whether we're a deacon or not, God, to ask the question, God, how might you be calling us into service? And how might we live out lives of practical theology, of applying the gospel um, to the places where we're called to, to share mercy with others? God, I ask you to give each of us this week an opportunity to be gospel bearers Maybe it's with a neighbor. Maybe it's with somebody we work with. Maybe it's with a friend at the t-ball field. And I pray that we would be, be people who are constantly looking for ways to expand your kingdom through the use of mercy and through the use of the gospel. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.